I am Simone Cipriani and I am an officer of the United Nations. And I'm Claire Press and I'm a sustainable fashion journalist. You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. We can change the world. Welcome back. This is episode five and it was recorded before the coronavirus shutdowns at Tokyo Fashion Week. Simone and I were in Japan to meet up with a longtime friend of the Ethical Fashion Initiative, Hirofumi Kurino. Mr. Kurino is the co-founder of United Arrows, the cult Japanese retail concept stores that combine men's and women's wear with special design projects. Business of Fashion calls him a leading arbiter of style. Polymoda, a fashion oracle. And Vogue.com just says he's simply one of the most stylish men in fashion. But Mr. Carino has also got a fine understanding of the importance of socially responsible business. He was the first Japanese retailer to work with the EFI, and that was back in 2013. And you're going to hear all about how he launched a United Arrows sub-brand called Tege. They're accessories made in Kenya, and then men's tailoring that they sew in Japan, but they use artisan-produced fabric from Burkina Faso. This conversation is all about the beauty of cultural exchange and the power of things like fashion and music to change the world. We talk about fashion history from the early days of what the Japanese used to call import shops right through to the explosion of Japanese fashion design on the world in the 1980s. And we talk about where fashion's headed because Mr. Carino is passionate about sustainability. He's also one of the mentors for the EFI's Accelerator Programme for African Fashion Talent. Now, if you missed episode four last week, go back and check out our conversation with another of the mentors, Decore Akande. You can find out all about the EFI Accelerator Programme and the six designers currently involved over at ethicalfashioninitiative.org and on Instagram. We're at ethicalfashion. Corina san welcome to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. May I call you Carino or should I call you Mr. Carino? Because I'm trying to learn my way around Japanese customs and <laughs> formalities and I've been trying to learn how to bow properly. The proper Japanese way is Carino-san, but uh, this might be an uh, international program, so please call me Carino. Yeah. And Carino-san uh, has a huge experience of the world and of my own country, of Italy. And it's incredible to work with a Japanese that knows our culture so well and who is not astonished by our excess and our normal confusion. I remember when we met the first time, introduced by Kazuko Niwano-san yes. and, and through Marion Hume, another journalist who is connected also to Australia. I love Marion. But also, yeah. didn't you, you've got a long history of going to Italy, right? Yes. So... Uh, I have a lot of chance to go to Italy. First year was 1985. But what do you make of the culture and the crazy Italians? <laughs> There's a normal Italians and crazy Italian. What, what, which version <laughs> is that one? I know the crazy Italian who lost his uh, important job as uh, bringing the sacred uh, head of the uh, Christ or something, yeah. but uh, damaged. <laughs> He should bring the, the like a small statue or something, yeah. but uh, he destroyed it. 
Yes, that's a story in Africa. I, I, the first time I went to Korokocho, Kurinosan refers to that, I went with a small statue, clay statue of baby Jesus, because it was Christmas and I had to give it to a community of missionaries there. And it slipped out of my hands, and so I broke it. I beheaded the statue of baby Jesus, and I had to fix it back with glue and to put some tie around the neck to cover the crack. And everybody was astonished. Baby Jesus with the tie, but we work in fashion. That's what Kurinofan <laughs> San refers to. He knows me very well. Now, we are recording this in the head offices of United Arrows in Akasaka. Yes. During Tokyo Fashion Week last night, there was an amazing event, an exchange of cultures. But this time, it was between Africa and Japan. It was called Face AJ, which stands for Fashion and Culture Exchange Africa-Japan. And United Arrows was a sponsor... Indeed, the idea was to support Africa and diversity and to work in a different way. We brought here, thanks to Kurino-san, three African designers, Febe Magugu from South Africa, Kenneth Ize from Nigeria, and Anyango Mpinga from Kenya. And they worked together with the Japanese designer collective, the Coyote. They are uh, Wataru Tominaga, and Sulvam. And now they will all go to Lagos, to Lagos Fashion Week. And it was an incredible event. Thank you. An But incredible also there were so many people. I mean, there was a huge crowd. This was the party of Fashion Week. You were saying last night, Wednesday night, to have yeah. that many people. A Wednesday night. A giant musical celebration. It was a real celebration of fashion and diversity all over the world, of cultural diversities brought together in a beautiful way. And the connecting thing, the fil rouge, was music. Thank you. Because Kurino-san is a great DJ, a great <laughs> DJ. I've seen Kurino-san in a DJ set in Paris, which was incredible in the Contour General, an incredible, cool place. And everybody remembers that I invited people from my family to the DJ set because it was a unique opportunity. And they still tell me, when is the next one? <laughs> so please come to Tokyo. What records do you play? I asked you last night and I was surprised by the answer. So you, you, Only you, vinyl. Only vinyl, yes. And uh, from my childhood, like uh, around 10, I started buying vinyl. And uh, still I'm buying. So I gave up counting, but maybe it is already uh, more than 10,000 uh, analog. Oh, wow. gosh. And uh, uh, my old house, the floor is uh, sinking. Because of the heavy, of yes, the weight, of yes. the weight. But this is 60s soul, this is... Yes, uh, 60s, 70s soul music, 80s dance music and reggae music, and recently Brazilian music and African music. So what did you make of the music last night? Because there was this incredible band, right? Yeah, uh, thank you for mentioning this. Uh, the name of the band called Mio Crusaders. So Mio is a folk song. Uh, the reason why they call them Crusaders is in 1960s, they're the band called Jazz Crusaders. At that moment, jazz becomes a little bit weaker. The rock music or pop music becomes stronger. But uh, the Jazz Crusaders wants to revive the, the jazz. So this Mio Crusaders is the same, like the same motivation, same intention they have. So they want to vitalize the Mio, the Japanese folk song. So that's why uh, they play very traditional, well-known folk music in Latin music way. 
but also Caravana. I was astonished to hear at the end the Duke Ellington standard Caravan played and sung in Japanese and rearranged into a Latin mood. It was incredible with all the ruffles and all the, the trumpets. And wow, it was a great Thank piece. You. Thank you. Great piece, Corino-san. How do you think music and fashion can be this kind of conduit for each other? Uh, for me, it's the same. Both uh, culture, both uh, borderless, both universal. I keep thinking that uh, for me, fashion or music is not consumering. It's uh, like uh, Simona-san said, uh, celebration or joy of life. So uh, unfortunately, uh, especially past 10, 20 years, the consumering or consumerism becomes too yeah. big and uh, just spending money or just uh, put yourself in uh, social media becomes uh, the center of the, mm. the things. But yeah. if you doing this too much, it's destroy the culture. Yeah. It's like commerce has taken yeah. over from the integrity of why we love fashion in the first place. Yeah, so uh, uh, I want to bring back the fashion in the first place. Yeah. Joy of life and uh, culture of uh, creativity and uh, freedom. It's a place for fashion. I found this quote from you when I was digging around on the internet. It was from Polimoda, uh, this fashion school in Florence. You became a mentor for their fashion economics master's class. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's amazing. <laughs> but they said, you told them, fashion is the result of a good balance between creation and business. Yeah. I don't know why they choose me as a, as a mentor. No, you do. But positively, they gave me a chance to do this and... Uh, I'm working in a fashion industry, fashion world for 42 years. And I want to share my experience, share my knowledge with the younger generation. I'm not immortal, but uh, if I'm sharing my knowledge or sharing my network, it uh, becomes double, becomes triple. And we must know that they described the Corino San as a fashion oracle. So, yes. <laughs> and that's why, that's why they called you, they wanted an oracle. But Corino San, for listeners who have never been in Japan, can you tell us more about the concept of United Eros, your 250 plus stores, and the fact that United Eros is a huge curation? It's not simply a department store or a shop. It's a curation. It's a concept store where you curate. I see you as the curator of a museum, probably because of your studies in history of art. You act as a curator. You select, you curate, and you offer your own selection to consumers. Can you tell us more about that? We start from uh, nine people 30 years ago. 1987, 1989. So this year we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, 1999, we became public. So now we are a public company. You are a public company. And uh, still I'm one of the uh, shareholders. And uh, we are the, the chain or group of the retail store of the different type of the store from the high end to middle market. We change a lot of things and we grow up, but this 
original concept or original philosophy never change. We are the customer-centric company. We serve for our customer. And uh, like I said, uh, fashion is not about uh, like spending money or not about uh, like consuming. It's about uh, communication. 30 years ago, we started in uh, United Arrows as a multi-label store. And uh, we collecting uh, many different merchandising from Japan and from all over the world. And uh, first, the variation of the country might be a, a kind of a charm of our merchandising. But uh, our customer is self-educating. So we might educate our customer and also customer educate themselves. So Japanese uh, customer for fashion, especially for fashion, is very well aware of uh, quality and service. So we keep trying to be a best to finding a good quality production in a right price and good services. And recently, like uh, when I'm making my creative direction to my company, through my research on the news or like a cultural side of the world, I really feel that sustainability is uh, the key for the world and also for the people spending money. This is a, one of the most important subjects for the world right now and for the future. So, for example, ID magazine in UK, this summer, the cover was Greta Thunberg. I know, what a brilliant mm. cover. Yeah. And also, when I was in Paris this September, I went to uh, Fondation Cartier. They're showing the forest exhibition. It was a huge queue. And then I went to London. I went to Tate Modern. They're showing Olafa Eliasson, also very crowded. It's also talking about uh, environment and sustainability. Also in Victoria and Albert, they're talking about the food. I saw that exhibition. Actually, quite upsetting. Yeah. It's not a pretty picture, the way we treat our food system. <laughs> you might, though, for example, today in United Era store, sell vintage Levi's. You might sell Chrome Hearts jewelry yeah, brand. Yeah, you might sell yeah. incredible sweatshirt label, own brands, but then other brands that mm. you've gone out and mm. sourced. Can I set the scene with this quote from GQ magazine? United Arrows rivals any retailer in the world, big or small, as stimulating fashion and design zones of your cerebral cortex. It's kind of clever, your selection process, right? When you're looking for all the brands that you stock. <laughs> we have no secret. We have no magic. We're just honest to our customer. So as a buyer or as a creative director, we're just choosing product as if I'm a customer, am I buying this in a full price? That's the starting point and the last point. So quality and the price, quality including creativity and the finishing or pattern. But anyway, quality and price is uh, the biggest part of uh, our job. And uh, we keep holding this 30 years. I wanted to ask this to you, Kurino-san, how you started. How did you start in fashion? Because you wanted to be a musician. You were supposed to be an art critic or an art historian. And then you ended up in fashion. How did it start? So I like music. 
And the music is my first things. Still music is my first things. And uh, when I was in university, I was working in a record shop as a part-time shopkeeper. Yes. But uh, if I decided to choose music as my business, there's no safety place. There's no sanctuary. So I keep music as my personal side. Then I choose my second uh, favorite, the fashion, as my job. So uh, thankfully, uh, a lot of music or a lot of art or book reading or movie gives me the idea of uh, the things I put into fashion. In the 70s you started? Yes, in 77 was my first company. And what was that? Uh, That was uh, one of the biggest retail stores in Japan. I stayed there one and a half year. Then I joined another company in 1978. I worked there 11 years. And 1989, together with uh, my colleague, we started United Tarot's. Over that period, we've seen huge changes in the way that Japanese fashion is exported to the world and become super famous and, you know, it's an iconic idea, Japanese style. But in the 70s, that wasn't happening yet. That happened in the 80s. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've seen fashion change? Oh, it's a very interesting question. Maybe uh, Japanese people are good learner. 1970s, we call our style import shop. We import things from USA, UK, France. Most of the production we import and sell. Like uh, we, well, we, all the denim stuff, right? Yes, it's about yes. American teenage culture, yes, and rock yes. music, and all that. Yes. Right? So, like uh, a kind of a messenger. But Japanese uh, customer uh, learned. They're good learner. So, 1970s they learn from overseas. 1980s, we start creating our own site, own things. Then it becomes uh, Komrigasson, Yoji Yamamoto, Isemiyake. And uh, finally, uh, our kind of shop is a result of the mixture of uh, import things and uh, made in Japan things and our own brand as a bridge. So we are a mixer, we are DJ. What are you wearing right now? Today, today I'm wearing a jacket from Tege. Yes, Tege is that's the perfect segue. <laughs> thank you. Tege is our brand uh, collaborating with Ethical Fashion Institute. So this fabric woven in Burkina Faso by uh, local craftsmen, uh, micro producers. And uh, they send uh, this fabric through EFI to Japan and we tailor in Japan. And we keep doing this uh, project more than five, six years. And step by step, it's keep growing. I wanted to say something about complexity and about diversity and about the fact that this jacket that Kurino-san is wearing is a bridge. It's a bridge in between cultures. They started in 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell. And somebody in those days spoke about the end of history. History is finished because diversity is finished. There is only one main wisdom, which is the West and this and that. And then history came back 
with all its own complexity, with all its own incredible diversity, even conflict. And today we are fully into that. We live in a complex world where you have inequality, where you have conflict, where you have diversity. And this kind of work, the work of Corino san this jacket, this brand they created to work with us in Burkina Faso, are bridges. They bridge different cultures together and they allow people to see the beautiful side of diversity, to appreciate diversity and not to be scared by diversity. So they offer an incredible service to the world of today, which is a way to read the world in which we live, its complexity, its diversity in a positive way. I think this is a great contribution of United Deros to the world of today. So, Kurino-san, can you please tell us more about this word and this brand that you have created, Tege? Tege might be a, a kind of a bridge, bridge of culture and bridge of production. Originally, uh, me and my uh, team of buying and creating, we are charmed by African culture. And we love African music or we like, like the... Uh, African guy, the stylish African guy, like Sapur. Mm -hmm. And uh, happily in 1970s and late 70s and early 80s, already a Japanese magazine introducing those uh, Sape, Sapur people to Japan. So we are very uh, influenced by uh, those culture. So that was our base, some part of our base. The origin of the word is a word that sounds in the same way in Bambara and in Japanese, isn't it, Kurino-san? Yes. Still, I remember when we were in Kenya, I really liked this project. And uh, me and uh, Simone-san have a conversation about we should have a proper name for this or we should have proper brand for this. So I asked uh, African people about how do you say love or how do you say friendship? But all those words are too complicated, <laughs> the, the African language. So I asked, how do you say hand? They say tege. Te in Japan is hand. Ge is a work or art. Amazing. So hand work, tege. Amazing it's, that it's they're a, the same So word. it's yeah. the same. It was the same of Bambara, which is the lingua franca yeah. of Western Africa. Tell me the story about how you first went to Kenya. This was 2013. I think you met through the agent of Ilaria Fendi, right? No, we met through Kazuko Nimiwano, our own agent here, who was introduced to us by Marion Hume, who is a mutual friend for us. And we were working here in Japan with Ilaria Fendi, but that was with Takashimai and that was another area of work. So how but did you true. persuade him to come to Kenya and what was it like? Well, we just came. We met thanks to Kazuko-san And uh, we asked Kurino-san to come to Africa and astonishingly, he said yes. And he came immediately after. I remember it was just following Paris Fashion Week and you came to Kenya. Yes. Then we traveled together to Burkina Faso. Then the third, we've also traveled recently, very recently to Eritrea. But what were your first impressions when you'd never been to Africa before that first trip no, to no, Kenya? No, 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 no. That was the first time. So... Because of the, uh, personally, I'm very interested with African culture. For example, for the music, I like Fela Kuti. Don't we so, all? The uh, best. So uh, I'm very excited about, ah, oh, I can see the real Africa. And real Africa has a lot of uh, different faiths. 
And we went to Korokocho, the one of the, the very uh, big slam. The people were living by uh, pickup things. Yeah, a dump site. Dump site. They recycled. Yeah. And, uh, okay, the positive side of uh, people of Korokocho is uh, they recycled from the, the founded object. But the negative side is the life in Korokocho is so dangerous because there are lots of uh, possibility of uh, accident or uh, health problem. So EFI is a project of uh, doing uh, uh, business in difficult places and uh, work together with the local people and independent. So I agree with the, uh, the theme, not charity, just work. And this is uh, exactly uh, the heart of uh, the business. It's, uh, of course, we are a retail company, so we don't have the, this charity side. But still, for us, business is like uh, communication. And Pos- coming back to the social responsibility. Yes, yes. Our activity is just a small volume. But like, uh, like people like you inform this kind of a possibility. So I hope that uh, many big company or politician or government influenced by this kind of activity to change their mind or uh, think about their direction of investment to invest in Africa. But what were your mm. first impressions like? Tell me about when you arrived there. Mm. I know that you're obsessed with fabric and your eye is always mm. looking for the new thing. Mm. What do you remember about it? The first and most uh, impressive things for me in Africa was people are so cool. So the women are so stylish. So this is another reason for me to travel to Africa. But also it can be stylish with not much money behind it. I mean, no, it's that innate style. No. It doesn't have to be... F- so uh, they are maybe natural-born stylist, natural-born designer. So they just dress themselves by the, the things they found or things surrounding themselves. But uh, the result is fantastic. So it's uh, beyond brand, beyond consumering. And Corino san came to Korokocho, the first visit. Korokocho is the birthplace of the Ethical Fashion Initiative, which was born in this slum in a conversation, during a conversation in between me and a local missionary who had been living in Africa for 40 years and whose mission was to create jobs. He was about creating jobs. His name was Gino Filippini. And uh, he taught us how to work with informal artisans. And so we decided... Whoever we meet and whoever we want to work in Africa with us has to pass through Korokocho. It's a test. If you react well in Korokocho, you belong to us. And Kurino-san not only reacted well, but he was delighted. (laughs) Then after Korokocho, we went to the Ngong Hills together, where we had a community of Maasai women mm-hmm. doing beadwork for us. Mm-hmm. And they still have photographs of Kurino-san jumping and dancing with the Maasai, with these Maasai women. And it's a beautiful photo because there is Kurino-san clad in a, in a Maasai blanket, which is blue, and jumping against the sky, which is pale blue. It's very beautiful. His <laughs> hairs flowing in the air. They're very, very beautiful. And talking about waste... 
Talking about waste in the uh, dump site. Because you were saying um, they're very good at recycling. Yes, very good at recycling. Very good at recycling. They derive a life out of recycling. And talking about this, it comes to my mind that this industry has a huge waste problem, the industry of fashion. We both value quality. Uh, we always have conversations about quality, about things that are long-lasting. Our jackets that we bought maybe 20 or 30 years ago. But this is not the general direction of this industry, where waste is a huge problem. There's a huge amount of textile or of finished products that are incinerated at the end of every season because they are not sold or they are disposed. And I know that in Japan you can have a concept, a concept which belongs to your traditional culture, which is about recycling, which is about a different approach to use of things. I think, if I am not mistaken, the Japanese word is motainai. Can you tell us something about that? <laughs> motainai is a very common word in Japan, but uh, common but uh, never translated. For example, if you have a lunch, some piece of bread or some piece of meat is left. The mother said, no, 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 you have to finish this. Otherwise, this is motenai. Or if you're uh, wearing the shirts, but you're growing up, it's too tight for you. And if you try to throw away this, your mother or father said, motenai. It's so, like shame. Yeah, and you, you should give to your brother, sister, or friend. So this motenai means we should use the production or we should eat the food production perfectly until zero. So happily, in Japan, we have this culture. So I should say we are not perfect in recycling or perfect, not perfect in environmental conscious. But unless we have this motainai concept in our very original thinking, 100% of Japanese people knowing the word motainai. So this can be uh, the driving force for making this world more healthier, more environmental-friendly. Uh, is it a bit about taking responsibility for waste and for what you leave behind, or is it also about being... I want to talk about kind of that famous Japanese reservation or orderliness, or maybe it's just a kind of modesty or being appropriate. The basis is like a, you should respect the, the person who made this. Thanks to farmer, thanks to factory worker, thanks to designer. It's one side. The other side is more economical reason. It's a part of the price of the lunch, part of the price of the shirts. Wow, that so taps into this whole world in which we operate some money. Like talking about respect for the worker, respect for the hands that have made these goods that we enjoy. I think that we all know that the current way that fashion operates with its fast fashion. It's finished. Mm. It's not finished, unfortunately, but it's going to an end because it's really not sustainable. And now I'm even fed up of using the word sustainability. 
I mean, we have to work in a different way and we have to make things that last, that are recyclable. We have to think in terms of circular economy. And that's simply a necessity. It should be by default what we do. It should be the normal behavior, not a special thing. What upsets me a lot of this industry is CSR policies. Because CSR policies are always used as we do business as usual, then we do something good, which we put under the label CSR, and this is our contribution. The contribution from now on should be do the right thing by default in your main business, structure your business model to do it. And this is what United Aeros has done. This is one of the lessons of United Aeros, I think, to the rest of the industry. Mm. Do the right thing for the world of today and do it by default. It's your business model. Your business model is about being sustainable socially and environmentally. One very important thing. The real big issue of today is global poverty. Until we tackle global poverty, extreme poverty, not global, the extreme poverty, the fact that there is a good deal of the human population that lives in conditions of extreme poverty, until we tackle that, we are not able to tackle all the rest of the challenges. This is the real obstacle. So these kind of collaborations and the different fashion industry can contribute to that. I'd like to end by just putting you on the spot and asking you what you admire about one another. Karina-san, what is it about Simone? Oh, Simone-san is honest and positive and crazy. That's why I love him. (laughs) Would you return the favour, please, Simone? What I love of Karina-san is integrity, rigour, business acumen and the capacity to dream. I'm a realist, dreamer and... uh, my mission is uh, problem solving. It's problem solving and it's offering an answer to those who are looking for it and to those who live in conditions of marginalization. And it's also about empowering people to find, to struggle their own way out of poverty because this is what gives dignity to people. In the end, if we want to use one word to describe this collaboration, it is about dignity. Thank you for listening, my friends. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at ethicalfashioninitiative.org And we are on Instagram at Ethical Fashion. Just don't shout, because I feel like it's quite Ah, noisy. Okay, just the rest. Yeah, yeah, go on. I have the syndrome of the... Will you have silent or shouting? (laughs) Yeah, no, I have the syndrome of the presenter in in an old Italian ballroom. uh, Ah. I love it. Because I used to be a waiter when I was in university. And the waiter, I used to work in a restaurant, which after dinner was transformed into a ballroom. So it was fun. So did you say, and now it's time for the dancing? And now, adesso si balla. <laughs> and everybody, boom, boom. <laughs> Can you help spread the word and share our story with your friends on social media? Our mission is to work towards sustainable development and create long-term impact in the communities where we operate. Through extensive training and mentorship, we build capacity and enable artisans to produce for the international market. Through this program, workers are empowered 
and can lift themselves out of poverty. Not charity, just work. Mm-hmm.